Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're just seconds away from Let's Go Blues Radio. of the show, Jeff Ponder. This is Let's Go Blues Radio. Happy New Year to everybody listening. And to those that aren't listening, you can't hear this, but Happy New Year to you too. So as you can tell, Kurt and Bill will not be present for this episode yet again. We should be back next week with one of our regular live shows. Uh, for those that are wondering why we aren't doing our live shows, well, mind your own business. Well, no, it's more because family stuff, holidays, uh, the, the new year and, and Christmas and all that, it just, they fell on weird days. Uh, I, I even texted Kurt Wednesday and said, are we doing a show tonight? And his response was, you know, holy crap, I forgot what day of the week it is. So it's just, this is a weird, uh, weird couple weeks for us, but we will get back to our usual live shows, I would imagine, next week. Uh, but have no fear. Because I have an episode for you. And this episode is Season 7, Episode 29, Franchise Episode Number 162. And this week, I will have Dominic from Lighthouse Hockey joining me. uh, And we will discuss the upcoming Blues and Islanders game on Saturday, January 5th. Uh, We'll also talk a little Blues because he is also a Blues fan, surprisingly. So... Uh, there's one person out there at least that's an Islanders and a Blues fan. And after my discussion with Dominic, uh, I will be reaching into the Let's Go Blues radio vault. And uh, I will play some of my favorite moments from this show's seven-season history. Uh, I am going way back with the ones I chose. So uh, definitely want to stay tuned for that, especially if you're a new listener also, I want to ask that you check out the letsgoblues.com shop and consider buying a reasonably priced shirt, mug, or sticker. All proceeds uh, go back into the creation of this show. And I know I mentioned it last week, and I know Kurt Bill mentioned it the week before that. The Retire 44 shirt. I did wear it to a game this last week. Don't really want to talk about which game it was, because my god. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a great shirt. I had a, a lot of compliments on it when I wore it out. So check that shirt out if you agree with us 
that number 44 should be retired by the St. Louis Blues. And hey, I am not one of those people who thinks that every good player should have their number retired. But you look at the names that are up there, and you think, how is Chris Pronger not involved? And again, it's no slide on those guys. It's just, uh, you look at the records, you look at the numbers, Chris Pronger uh, belongs up in the rafters. So that's why we made this shirt. Uh, so check it out over at letsgoblues.com and click on the shop tab. Please subscribe to our show on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and Plex, wherever you like to get your podcasts. Uh, you can also listen at letsgobluesradio.com. Uh, if you are on iTunes, we ask that you leave us a review and a five-star rating. Uh, that's what helps people find our show. So if you enjoy it, chances are somebody else will as well. Well, since my last recording uh, last week, last Wednesday, uh, the, uh, the Blues have gone 2-2-0 with 11 goals for and 11 goals against uh, Pretty much can't get more subpar than that. I guess par. That's par. Yeah, can't get much more par than that. Uh, Blues beat the Buffalo Sabres in a very nice win, 4-1. to uh, Carter uh, Hutton, almost said Carter Hart. Carter Hutton back in uh, St. Louis for that, so uh, kind of nice to see him uh, back in St. Louis. But uh, fortunately, the Blues were able to get the win against their former goalie. The game I attended, which again, I don't want to talk too much about, Six to one lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, this was just a, an abysmal game. Another one of those games where it's you know, hey, the Blues they won against Calgary, they beat Buffalo, two of the better teams in the league this season, and they lose six to one to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, the stat that I know our friend uh, Cristiano Simonetta had posted about uh, uh, after having a two-game winning streak how they fared in that third game. They have gotten blown out every time. So not a good stat there. And, uh, again, for people attending that game, that was just awful. I mean, uh, you, you can't have that kind of showing on home ice. But, hey, I'm preaching to the choir here. I know everybody agrees. After that, they did follow it up with a 2-1 loss to the Rangers on New Year's Eve. A little bit better game, at least by the score, uh, Henrik Lundqvist was phenomenal in this game. Um, I'm not ever going to say that, you know, the, the Blues, you just ran into a hot goalie. I hate that crap. Uh, you got to find a way to beat them. The best teams do figure that out. But, I mean, Lundqvist was just standing on his head this game. He made a couple saves late uh, that really uh, gave his team the win. So, hats off to Lundqvist. But, uh, again, I mean, the Blues just need to, they need to have more fire Offensively, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's easy for me to say that sitting here on my couch watching the game and drinking a beer on New Year's Eve and saying, well, let's score more goals. But, I mean, you watch this team, you know that uh, they have the ability to score goals. They have the ability to, to play with the best teams in the league and beat the best goalies. Uh, they have plenty of offensive firepower. So you expect them to score the big goal. But at the same time, you look at where they're at in the standings, and it's games like that, the reason that they are so low. So they followed the Rangers game up uh, last night with a 5-2 win against the Washington Capitals. Oscar Sundquist continues to impress this year his seventh even-strength goal. Uh, so, again, hats off to him. Uh, just He's looked great, uh, I think, this season. I mean, he's not an offensive horse, but he's... Good. I mean, he's a good fourth-line guy. And, and I said that last year. He's slow afoot, 
But I think he's a, a solid guy you can throw out on your fourth line, and uh, I think he's played very well this season. So, uh, again, Oscar Sundquist looking very good in the Blues jersey this year. Uh, Jake Allen, the other end of the, of the ice here, uh, 23 saves on 25 shots. I was not a fan of the two goals he gave up. I thought the Ovechkin goal was a stoppable shot. Now, granted, that's Alex Ovechkin. He can thread the needle and, and beat any goalie any time of the day, anywhere in, in, uh, in the, the world. So it's not, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not hard to believe that he finds a hole in Jake Allen. But at the same time, I mean, that, uh, I, I don't know, I think that's a stoppable shot. And, and the pass from Michael Kempney, too, was just a, an unbelievable pass. And, um, you know, you got you to gotta give credit there. Uh, but, uh, I mean, still, that's a, that's a stoppable shot. And as well as the, uh, the second goal, I thought that uh, Petro, he did not look good on that play. Um, and, and you saw his reaction on the bench if you were watching on TV. and uh, He just looked angry beyond belief, which he should have been. Uh, he just kind of let uh, let uh, Tim Connolly skate in and and uh, have a good chance. And but really, again, at the end of the day, I think that's that's a stoppable shot, which Allen did make the save. But you got to cover that rebound. And again, you can make the case Petro should have been there to either clear the rebound or shove it in Allen's pads instead of sliding into the corner. But uh, I mean, man, come on, you gotta hold on to that puck. Uh, so next up, the Blues will play the New York Islanders on Saturday, January 5th. Then they will play the Philadelphia Flyers on Monday, January 7th. And then the Stars back-to-back uh, Tuesday the 8th. So uh, a lot of hockey coming up for the Blues. And I would imagine that Wednesday we will have another live show. Uh, so getting into the upcoming game against the New York Islanders... Uh, I'm welcoming in Dominic of Lighthouse Hockey, an SB Nation blog. Uh, we preview the game. We talk about the state of the Islanders, fallout from John Tavares leaving, uh, Matthew Barzal, where he's gone this season, and, uh, and of course, Robin Lehner, uh, Barry Trotz, uh, everything that's going on around that team we discuss. Uh, so uh, a very fun interview for me to, to conduct with him. Uh, just a, a very knowledgeable guy, and uh, as we get into, he's actually uh, St. Louisan. He lives in St. Louis, so he uh, he has a lot of insight on the Blues as well. So uh, a very interesting discussion the two of us had. Well, let's just uh, let's just go ahead and get right into it, shall we? Uh, here is my interview with Dominic of Lighthouse Hockey. This is Jeff from Let's Go Blues Radio, and right now I'm joined by Dominic from Lighthouse Hockey, an SB Nation blog. Uh, Dominic is in a rare situation where he lives in St. Louis, is a Blues fan, but also has an allegiance with the New York Islanders. Uh, Dominic, thank you for joining me, and explain yourself. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. It's good to be on. <laughs> um, in short, I've, I've followed both teams all my life. Um, I, I have my father to blame for that uh, because he was a, a fan of the Blues from their expansion and a big fan of Al Arbor um, who passed away, you know, just a couple of years ago now. Um, so he was upset when the Blues not only let go of Scotty Bowman, but then let go of Al Arbor's coach. And uh, when I came along, he, he threw me into Blues fandom, but also highly encouraged me to follow Al Arbor's team out on Long Island. So, uh, Ever since then, they didn't really fight for the same spoils, except for one year in, in uh, 8081. So 
I've just kind of, uh, and which I was really too young to remember. So uh, I follow them both all my life and um, lighthouse hockey is kind of a way for me to, to keep in touch with the uh, Islander side of my soul. And How the, often do you uh, go out to New York to see a game, if at all? Um, it was it was about once a year before uh, children. And all <laughs> <laughs> so that goes. <laughs> now it's been a, a, a little less frequent. I actually haven't even been out to a, a Barclays Center yet. So uh, depending on how they handle um, the transition to Belmont, if they if they go back to Nassau Coliseum full time or not, I may actually never see a game there, which isn't the worst thing. But <laughs> from what I from what I've seen, you're not missing much. Um, yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about that real quick. I wanted to, to ask you your thoughts on the, uh, the the Islanders possibly moving back to the island. Um, do you have a preference uh, with you, you know, obviously not living in the area? Uh, do you care where they play or uh, um, do you obviously have a, a choice that, that you like to see them play uh, in a certain spot? Um, I, I mean, I do care. It, it's kind of a, a cascade of priorities. I mean, the biggest thing while they were being screwed around with by uh, local regulatory bodies trying to get a replacement for the Coliseum is, is just that you know, the priority was that they stay in New York. Um, so when it didn't work out in Nassau, um, you know, the, the Brooklyn sort of what turned out to be a temporary option uh, was great because it was better than, you know, Quebec or Kansas City or something like that. Um, and, you know, the, the Brooklyn arena was, was flawed from the start, um, even, you know, before the Islanders became an option and they, the way they had cut costs to build it only for basketball. So, retrofitting and all that and they uh the guy who kind of runs the uh brooklyn sports marketing side really tried to make them a, a a brooklyn team like the nets and that didn't really take um so it's it's great that they have new ownership that actually is going to build a new building um closer to their original home and uh there's such a great like tailgating culture at the coliseum that um it's great that they're going to be able to resume that with the games they're having in Nassau now. And also um, the Belmont arena should, I'm sure will make ample room for that because uh, it's it, the Coliseum atmosphere. I mean, it's, it's one of those old barns and I think part of it is fed by the, the kind of tailgating football like atmosphere uh, beforehand and around there. So um, it, yeah, main preference is that they stayed in New York. And I think, from all the signs so far that the Belmont arena is going to be excellent. And it, and it's cool for people that they're getting to play more um, in Nassau now too. And then interim. So uh, something else that, uh, that some people may know about you is that you are friends with uh, Jason Martin and Chris Frank over at the, our friends over at the blues hockey podcast. Um, I have to ask you, why do you choose to be friends with them? <laughs> um <laughs> I was uh, forced into it. <laughs> um, you know, it's that, uh, no, I, I met them through uh, some mutual friends of my wife, I guess, originally. But um, they're, uh, it's, you know, hockey fans got to stick together no matter what, despite their, right. their flaws. So, <laughs> uh, Jason and Chris are good guys. And uh, we have talked about, uh, you've been on their show a couple of times. I don't mm-hmm. know if there's going to be any time in the near future with the blues and Islanders playing, but uh, definitely keep an eye out for that. If you, uh, if you're a fan of the blues hockey podcast, Dominic may be on there as well. So uh, anyway, but uh, moving on talking about, so like I said, you're, you're not only an Islanders fan, we'll get to them in a couple minutes, 
I do want to talk a little bit, bit of uh, blues with you. Um, this team, and I've said it on this show multiple times, as well as my co-hosts, they just don't seem to, you can't get a read on them at all. Um, either they're, they're losing five to one or they're beating one of the best teams in hockey in Calgary or Washington. Uh, what's been your take on the team this season? Uh, that's exactly, uh, how I felt. And I, I was at the game, uh, last night, um, and with a friend who I used to have season tickets, um, with, you know, 15 years ago. And, uh, it, yeah, we were just scratching our heads, watching them do all the things that a team with their talent level should do against, you know, one of the NHL's uh, top teams. And, uh, you know, going into this season on paper with the O'Reilly move and the, and clearing out some of the garbage they had, I thought, uh, you know, this is, this is finally a year where, you know, they at least had a good chance of matching up with uh, Nashville and Winnipeg, you know, being stronger at center and, uh, so it's just mind-boggling how it fell apart in so many different ways, um, and you, and even now when you know it's kind of a lost season in terms of playoff hopes and that, but you see it, still see certain nights where it's like, yeah, this is kind of how I thought this team should play, and then the next night it's you know just complete collapse. So uh, let's just say that uh, Doug Armstrong has recruited you as his assistant GM, and he says, "Okay, Dominic, uh, what's your first move?" So what's your answer to that question? What's the first area you're looking to uh, either improve or sell off uh, as, a, as a GM of this team? Well, um, I, I'm not a long-term believer in Jake Allen. Um, so, I mean, goaltending's an issue that, that uh, needs shoring up somehow. And I'm, you know, I, I don't blame him for, for the season's collapse, but certainly his ink his own inconsistency doesn't help when, when other things are getting shaky. But um, I think that the first big move, and I would, as an Islanders fan here now, seeing the difference Barry Trotz has made is uh, I would do everything I could to get um, a really strong coach like Joel Quenville in, because I do think part of their, um, part of their failings in the beginning of the season was just a coaching. It didn't seem like they were all on the same page. Um, and, you know, it, Armstrong's stuck still with some contracts here, and I, I don't see like a lot of of major. You know, they, they people talk about dumping one of the the big core players, um, just for the sake of change, but it's hard to see wh- which one will will do that and and fix fix things magically. So really, I, I feel like had they started this year with a different coach, um, things might have been different. And with Quenville out there, I would, you know, I would do everything to try to, to get him o- away from uh, his short-term retirement and, and uh, see what this roster can do with, with that kind of guidance. Uh, what should have been, what could have been. We could yes, play that game always. all day long because we, we talked about that going into the season. Uh, that was a narrative for us that uh, imagine what this team could be doing if they had an elite head coach. And, uh, but again, you'll, it's just a guessing game at this point. We'll never know. Uh, so I wanted to uh, get into the Islanders with you a little bit. As I said, uh, you are the, uh, would you call yourself the managing editor of, uh, of Lighthouse Hockey? Sure. <laughs> okay, <Yeah. laughs> cool. <laughs> um, so you, uh, you know, you obviously you're, you're a part of SB Nations. So you're pretty involved with the team. Um, and I know this is probably a question you've been asked a million times, but I want to go ahead and ask you anyway. 
the big news surrounding the Islanders this season was how would they perform without John Tavares, uh, their their captain, going over to Toronto. Um, now, we'll get into that in a little bit, but I do want to ask you, uh, when he was not traded last year and then you come into the free agency knowing he's there's a good chance he's going to leave and then you see him do it, uh, what was your reaction? Uh, did you think this team would be able to really do anything without him in the lineup? Um, you know, I thought they would without him in the lineup. It, it, you know, obviously that was a, a major loss and a disappointment. And, you know, a, probably a majority of Islanders fans feel it was a betrayal because of um, his part in it. Although, you know, it certainly wasn't all on him. But uh, the fact that, yeah, they were able to get nothing for him hurt. Um, but it, they do still have a lot of solid young players. Um, so, you know, I, I thought the their their biggest hope was keeping Tavares and having Barzal um, as a one-two center punch. I was like, this is what they need to be contenders. Um, with him gone, I still thought they could be a good team, although with their summer moves, um, signing, it seemed like an endless flow of, of uh, third and fourth line grinders. I didn't have much hope for this season, but um, this season's really been down to, to Barry Trotz. He's given every player a role. He's given the whole team a structure that that they sorely, sorely missed under Doug Waite. Um, and, and they're they're really tough to play against. So um, I didn't think they would make the playoffs before this season, but I thought he would make a difference. I thought their goaltending might be better. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a terrible loss. It sets the franchise back for what could have been. I do think they still have a lot of... Um, solid young players coming up where it's not going to be something that's going to take them years to recover from. So obviously Matthew Barzell, you, you mentioned him. He's uh, uh, just a, an elite player and he's proven every night. He doesn't need a John Tavares uh, to in the lineup to, to, to be a dynamic player and be able to shake off top defenders. Uh, but, but other than him, I mean, that's the, that's the name everybody talks about. Uh, who has impressed you this season? Who's been kind of a, surprise whether offensively or defensively for the Islanders um I they have a couple of young defensemen who maybe not quite surprising but but could be surprising to to other people Ryan Polak uh number six is one of those guys who's uh you know had some high-end offensive talent but took a few years for them to call him up um and he's really rounded into kind of a a really good uh, two-way defenseman and, and one of their key guys. Um, and, and another guy who just finally is getting his chance over the last five games um, from injury is Devon Tays, um, spelled just like the uh, the uh, terrible Blackhawks captain. Um, he he scored his first NHL goal last night as the overtime winner, and, and he's just a, you know, he's a rookie, but he's, he's 24. He was one of those guys who was a um, late bloomer and did the college route and everything. Um, he is fast, moves the puck really well, and just watching him so far, he, you know, he's not one of those um, offensive defensemen who takes it easy on the defense. He, he doesn't. I haven't seen any Shattenkirk moments, if that um, helps describe him. So, I mean, it. Th- those are two guys that I think you know people may not know about, but uh, but are pretty effective um, players for the Islanders, and I think they're going to, you know, grab regular spots that they'll keep for a while. Yeah, I mean that—that's obviously kind of the the big news today as we uh, we talk on January fourth. Uh, last night, the Islanders got a, a big overtime win behind a Devon Taves uh, overtime goal, his first point in the NHL. 
five NHL games. I wanted to ask you, and and it seems like you, you kind of answered it there. Is he more of a depth defenseman, or do you think this is a guy that could step in and be maybe a top four guy? I really do think uh, he should be a top four guy, and and pretty quickly. I mean, he was. Um, I was talking about it with some of the the guys at Lighthouse Hockey. Um, you know, in training camp. So he had a, a well, let me back up. He had a season-ending injury in the AHL last season, about mid-season, which he was probably about to get the call then. And then he had, um, I think, it was a shoulder injury that required surgery and took him out um, for the rest of the season. So, but in training camp, he impressed from day one. Um, Trotz was using him a lot in a lot of different roles, and so and I, Trotz even mentioned, I, I think, last night um, after the game that it's like, well, he basically, you know, he earned a spot in training camp, but with the injury that he was coming off of, they decided to be cautious. And of course, the other reason is he's waiver exempt still. So Lamorello had brought in uh, another older defenseman of, of much less use in Lucas Visa, which seems to be an Islanders tradition, no matter who the general manager is. Um, and so they, they sent Taves down. But no, I think he's going to be more than a depth defenseman. He's going to be one of those those heavier minute guys who can work in a lot of situations. So uh, as I mentioned, and as you have talked about, the the Islanders are kind of rolling right now. They've got a five-game win streak, and uh, not not just against slouch teams either. They've beaten the Buffalo Sabres, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then uh, uh, thank you from St. Louis Blues fans. They've also beaten the Dallas Stars and Chicago Blackhawks in that time. Uh, what are you seeing in their game right now that, that just seems to – keep letting them roll uh, almost every game, uh, beating some top teams. You know, I just, um, I keep coming back to the coaching, but it's just, they, they know where they are supposed to be in each situation. Um, They, I don't know if, if you remember back in the day when Trotz had the, you know, expansion predators and the, the neutral zone trap, heavy defensive smothering era, they're not quite like that because Trotz has clearly evolved, um, you know, with the, with the changes in the game. But just they make it difficult for teams to break out. Um, you know, they clog the neutral zone well. They make it difficult for them to, to sustain pressure. And when they get leads, then they do they they do turn into that kind of frustrating squad. And it's just line after line after line is able to do it. Um, and it, it, both goaltenders they have had terrible seasons last year but they're now playing in front of a much more predictable uh, defensive structure in front of them. So you can tell that their jobs are, are easier because they're not having to, to cover for all kinds of wild card scenarios where, where people aren't doing their job. So I think it, the team probably is helped by having that collective chip on its shoulder after Tavares left. So like everybody's doubled down on their commitment to doing the, the dirty work and the hard, you know, back checking and, and defensive assignment work. But it, it's yeah, it's just been impressive to watch, um, and frankly, definitely surprising to me to to see how effective they've been. So you mentioned the goaltending, uh, somebody who I think most NHL fans are rooting for after the story that came out um, in the Athletic earlier this, actually I guess last year now, uh, for Robin Lehner, a uh, guy that uh, has dealt with some anxiety issues, some depression issues, and uh, this is on the heels of us having Jillian Fisher on last week, who talked about uh, mental health awareness. Uh, what have you seen in him this year? Do you think he's uh, he's a guy that can step in and be a, an, a, well, I don't want to say elite playoff goalie, but can get the job for you done in the playoffs? 
or do you think uh, he's just kind of riding a high right now with a new team? I mean, he's always had that talent. And so it, it was kind of puzzling. Um, you know, he saw him as a, as a prospect with, with Ottawa and then, um, you know, Buffalo believed in him and, and tried to make him the starter there. It, so he, he always had that talent. And, you know, frankly, like seeing some games, seeing his behavior, um, he had like a weird between um, like an intermission as the teams were skating off. I think this is when he was with the Senators, like skirmish with a uh, young Islanders goalie at the time that was just, you know, where from the outside, you're like, wow, this dude's just, you know, he's just kind of a dick. It's, yeah, like, it, and uh, so, I mean, then reading that story this year and, and, and the things that he's been going through, it's kind of, you know, it, it gives me pause because it's like, yeah, when you when you see a, a pro athlete who's, you know, acting like in a puzzling way, you're like, there could be a lot more going on than you realize than just the, the traditional villain type of image of, of that, you know, sports fans have. And so with him having his own personal stuff under control, I mean, I think his the, the talent that people always saw in him is really showing. And he's, you know, he's big and he plays big and he, he plays uh, just really steady. He, he's not scrambly and sprawling. And I think that um, builds confidence in the D in front of him too. And so, no, I think he'd be an effective playoff goalie based on what we've seen this season. So uh, going into tomorrow night's game, we've obviously uh, mentioned Matthew Barzal is, is a, a elite player for New York Islanders, but for Blues fans, uh, who should they be watching for on offense on the Isles team that uh, could be giving the Blues defense some trouble? Well, uh, Anders Lee, the captain, will will be in front of the net, um, making life difficult, and uh, you know he's able to to. Uh, he's added a lot of dimensions to his game now, but you know he's able to deflect shots from the point and just create havoc. Um, Josh Hosang is is one who people have probably heard about. He's a dynamic skater and and has um, some really good hands, but um, he's a guy you know who had to learn a lot of the the defensive assignments and diligence um, to the game, and so he's gotten a call up this year. I I wouldn't you know expect fans to see him being explosive, but he he does have some flashes. Um, and right now with Jordan Everly out, he's been getting, um, you know, some chances on a, in a more offensive role. So be looking for him. Um, and of course the, you know, the old Blackhawk, Nick Letty, he's having really a, a very tough year. Um, but he's still just, he can skate like the wind. So he's still a good puck carrier and, uh, he'll probably create problems too. So the Isles are one point out of the playoffs again, as we talk on January 4th, uh, before the games are played, um, do they make the playoffs this year? In your opinion, I think so. Based um, just looking at the rest of the Metro and the other East wildcard teams, because there's there's really starting to be a separation from the uh, the top half of the Metro division and the bottom. And then um, you know you've got like Buffalo and Montreal and teams like that that they'll be fighting for for the wild card. So. Yeah, it seems like they'll get a wild card spot, and maybe they'll end up uh, playing Barry Trotz's old team, or maybe uh, John Tavares. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Uh, I have to ask you: beating the Maple Leafs the other night uh, is that kind of a a little feather in the cap for uh, for the Isles, or do you think that even matters to them at this point? Oh, I, I think it matters. I mean, it, it matters to them because of all of the the hoopla and the drama they had to go through over the past year and a half with the Tavares thing. And also they know how much the fans uh, sought that kind of catharsis. So it definitely matters for them to just, you know, dominate the Leafs in every facet 
in Toronto on hockey night in, in Canada Saturday um, was just outstanding. And it, it's funny, like they, we at Lighthouse Hockey, we have uh, one of our podcasts is Islanders Anxiety, where the guys were talking about how the the, can, the Canadian based national media just has no idea. Like they just don't, they're like, geez, why are, you know, well, I don't understand why Isles fans are still, you know, kind of bitter at Tavares. <laughs> like you have no idea how recent it is. This is the first meeting, uh, everything we went through partly fed and, you know, fueled by Canadian media. And, um, and there's, they act like, Oh, well, this might be a new rivalry, but Isles fans still hate the Leafs from, uh, you know, a, just bloody brutal playoff series you know 16 years ago 17 years ago so it's and the the whole you know center of the hockey universe thing like it's it's very easy to to hate toronto uh uh, or the leafs and and the entire ecosystem around them so yeah it was good and i think the team enjoyed it too good good uh dominic i really appreciate you coming on um again we'll have to have you on again uh sometime in the future maybe when the Isles and the Blues meet in the Stanley Cup final. That'll yeah, be, uh, oh, that's, yeah, that's my dream and nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's uh, that's scary and awesome for you at the same time. That's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you would do. Uh, Dominic, uh, let our listeners know how they could find you and Lighthouse Hockey online and on social media. Right, so we're at lighthousehockey.com, and um, the, the main Twitter handle for, for me in the site is at LHHockey. Great. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Well, big thanks to Dominic, of course. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at LH Hockey or check out everything he writes over at uh, lighthousehockey.com, which again is an SB Nation blog. Uh, so now, this is typically where I guess I would end the show, but I decided, you know what? Let's, let's have a little more fun with this. Uh, you know, we used to do a segment here on Let's Go Blues Radio. Uh, called Radio Rants, and we haven't done that in a while. Basically, it was just kind of our uh, our time to just rant about whatever was going on in the hockey world or even outside of the hockey world, and uh, it was uh, it was always a lot of fun doing those. We don't do it as much because pretty much our whole show is a rant now, <laughs> so there's really no need for a segment for it. Um, but back in the day, uh, this is uh, this is what we used to do. So. It, uh, it was a fun segment, and uh, I know that uh, we've kind of discussed here and there, bringing it back. We kind of referenced it, oh, you know, this is going to be my radio rant for the episode, but we don't really do it anymore. So I thought, let's add a couple of the good ones here uh, at the end of this episode. So I'm going to get out the, the old DeLorean, and I'm going to play you some of my uh, favorite radio rants. Uh, we actually have two for this episode. Uh, now, the first one... There is a little bit of a caveat with it. One of my favorite moments in this show's history was uh, Kurt Price had a radio rant. Uh, one of our, I think it was our second season, um, where he talked about Pita Pit, which I don't even know if it's there anymore. I think I believe it's in Edwardsville. Again, I'm a Missouri guy. I'm, I'm not on the Illinois side. Uh, Pita Pit had a, I guess they used a lot of hummus. And uh, Kurt was very angry about that. So he had an excellent rant about Pita Pit and their practices on hummus. Uh, now, unfortunately, so this is uh, to, to give you a little bit into the give you a little idea into how this show works. Uh, back then, Kurt and uh, myself kind of split the duties of editing the show and getting it posted. 
So uh, I guess this was an episode that he did. So I do not have that original episode of him ranting about Peter Pitt. Uh, so I will have to uh, gauge him and see if he can find it because uh, that was that was a great one. But although I don't have that one, I do have one where he uh, it was a couple episodes later. He goes off about another local establishment, Quiznos Subs, which again I don't think is even around anymore. Uh, so yeah, this this kind of I guess dates ourselves here a little bit. But uh, yeah, here is uh, here's a great radio rant from my co-host Kirk Price about uh, his beliefs on Quiznos business practices. Um, I, and I'm going to continue. A few weeks ago, I I talked about the I ranted about Pita Pit here in town and about their <laughs> about their questionable hummus practices. <laughs> that was one of my favorites. <laughs> but, um, I'm going to uh, uh, continue the uh, assault on the local sandwich shops and oh, talk, boy. About, talk about Quiznos a little bit. <laughs> I love Quiznos. First of all, it's good, good stuff, good product. However, their management and their... Every place has a repeat eater card where you get a card stamped or punched five times, six times... 14 times, whatever it is, and you get a free sandwich or free whatever. And Quiznos had this for a while. And I just came across this card the other day, and uh, I ended up throwing it away because I wasn't going to use it, and I don't know, I don't even know if they still do it anymore. But uh, it just, it just reminded me how ticked off I was at the time. The deal was on the card, you buy five sandwiches, you get the sixth one free. Okay, sounds like a good deal, right? Well, these five sandwiches have to be purchased in a month. Every month, it resets. So that means you have to go there more than once a week to take advantage of this. Who does that? Who? I mean, I'm not. I'm not a repeat. I'm not a. I don't go to Quiznos a lot. <clears throat> I may go there five or six times a year, tops. Uh, five times a month? No. It's a. It's a worthless promotion. I bet you, hardly anyone redeem that that free six sandwich. Um, and part two with Quiznos is that they have they offered a a bag you can take your food with you when you go, uh, and if you bought this bag, it was like a recyclable thing. It was a green thing where you, you they wouldn't give you a plastic bag with your with your sandwich. You'd buy this reusable bag, and they would they would give you a sandwich, uh, and you could put it in the bag when you left each time you you bought a sandwich there. Okay, and when you bought the bag, you got free chips. So every time you use the bag when you bought a sandwich, you got a free bag of chips. Okay, I bought the bag. It was like five bucks, and. Uh, Two months later, no longer doing the special. So I bought that. The bag is useless. I mean, aside for being green, if you're into that kind of thing. But uh, but yeah. So no more free chips for me because the bag is long gone. And uh, so I bought the bag for uh, I just just you know saving the earth, I guess. Which who wants to do that? So our second radio read that we will feature here uh, was actually from one of our summer shows that we did a couple years ago. So uh, as as we did last year, uh, Kurt and Bill do not uh, do not really participate in the summer episodes. I had decided I wanted to do one every week. It was kind of our usual shows, uh, except I had to bring on another co-host. So I asked my good friend and a guy that I've uh, done a couple podcasts with now, Justin Wilson. Uh, he actually joined me for these uh, summer episodes that we did. I believe it was the summer of 2013. Uh, and that was before Justin and I went off and, and started another podcast 
the Bash Brothers podcast, which uh, I don't even know if you can find it anywhere anymore. But uh, but yeah, we, we, we got the start there on uh, Let's Go Blues Radio in the summer episodes. I had a great time doing it. And uh, so this was obviously the, the summer that uh, uh, the Blues had traded David Perron to Edmonton. All those moments were a lot of fun to discuss with my best friend, uh, you know, for, for everybody to listen. And, and people, I guess, tuned in and enjoyed it. So, uh, yeah, one of the things that we discussed, though, and if you look back at that summer, Ilya Kovalchuk. This was when he left the New Jersey Devils, left a, a bunch of money on the table, I uh, signed that 15-year deal and then left after three years to go play in the KHL. Now, you know, looking back, uh, he's back in the NHL now with the LA Kings. But uh, at the time, I was not a fan of the way that this was conducted. So I decided to share my issues with Ilya Kovalchuk and uh, his decision to depart the NHL for the KHL. So here is my radio rant. From the summer of 2013. This is laughable to me, and uh, if you want to know my opinion, here's my opinion, Justin. Uh-huh. This guy, uh-huh. Ilya Kovalchuk. This guy is, uh, he, I cannot believe he did this to this team. Um, he taught, he was one of the players that came out during the lockout last year and said that uh, he is, you know, he wants to stay in Russia. Well, then why did you sign a 15-year deal? You know, if you thought there was any inkling at all that you were going to want to move back in the middle of your contract to Russia, why would you sign that deal? You knew that the CBA was going to end soon, too. So why would you, when you sign that deal, say, ah, 15 years, yeah, that sounds good. Um, Also, why wasn't this not done before July 5th? Uh, July 5th was free agency day. If he does this on even July 4th, that lets the devil say, okay, we need to go out. We need to find a Stephen Weiss. We need to find a Valtteri Filpula, uh, Nathan Horton. We need to Anyone. We need to get somebody to replace the offensive production that Kovalchuk brings. Uh, right now, they are left fighting for scraps. They Maybe the best player for them is Mikhail Grabowski, who is a centerman, which they don't exactly need right now. Um, also, when you consider the Devils did lose – Zach Parisi last season, so they could keep Covey's contract. Uh, he ended up signing with the with the Minnesota Wild because there wasn't any space for him with uh, Kovalchuk on the Devils. Uh, also, you have to consider the Devils tried to sign Covey to a 17-year, $102 million contract before they signed him to his actual contract. Uh, the league said that it circumvented the cap and it makes the Devils lose their 2014 first-round pick. So... There is so much going on here as to why uh, Kovalchuk's leaving and, and this whole situation. Uh, Adam Oates has also said, quote, and which by the way, Adam Oates is the, uh, the head coach of the Washington Capitals. He says, quote, general managers won't trust them, talking about Europeans. So, you know, things like this, yeah, you can see why. Why would you want to bring over a European player if he's going to pull something like this? Uh, you can make the case that it's for his family, which – let me make it clear before we, you know, before you jump in. I want to make it clear that I have no problem with a Russian player saying, I want to go home and play in front of my family. I want to be close to my parents. I want to be close to my grandparents, whatever. Uh, I have no problem with that. If if his wife wants to go back, the kids want to go to Russia, that's fine. I mean, that's where you're from. I understand that. But you have an obligation with an NHL team. You signed a 15-year deal. You are the 
cornerstone of this franchise, and you just call it quits three years into your contract. I don't know if you remember, Justin, but Kings fans, or the Kings and, and Devils, were, were kind of battling over Kovalchuk a couple of years ago. Kings fans have to be rejoicing right now they didn't sign this guy because he is an absolute joke, and he is he is what's everything that's wrong with professional sports, in my opinion. Um, every ounce of respect that I've had for Kovalchuk is now gone because of what he's done to the Devils. Well, that was fun. Uh, if you guys enjoyed it, maybe we'll do something like this again. Uh, I, again, it, it, this is this was fun for me. I don't know if it was fun for anybody else, but uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, this little blast from the past. Again, uh, uh, stepping in the DeLorean with Doc and, and uh, taking a look at uh, some of the, uh, the, the fun moments we've had on this show. So uh, let's go ahead and start wrapping it up here. I want to thank Dominic again. Again, if you can f- want to follow him on Twitter, he is at LHHockey. Uh, and uh, lighthousehockey.com is where you can read everything he writes about the New York Islanders. And I do recommend giving him a follow because, again, he's a, also a Blues fan, so he's a, a fun guy to talk to, especially in matchups like uh, the Blues and Isles will have on Saturday. Twitter handles for the show. Uh, the show Twitter can be found at LGB Radio. My co-host, uh, Kurt Price, can be found at Kurt Price. That's Kurt with a C. Bill Day can be found at Billy Blue Note, and then myself, Jeff Ponder, can be found at jponder94. Next week, uh, Kurt and Bill will probably very, very likely be returning, and we should have a regular live show. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining it's going to be uh, Wednesday, January 9th, because uh, again, the, the Blues play on the 8th, and they play on the 10th, and Wednesday is our typical night, so I would imagine... Uh, you can count on Wednesday, January 9th being our next episode. Uh, follow us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, and uh, that will definitely tell you when each episode will be recorded and when it will air. Uh, if you've never heard our live shows, which if you're mid-season here, I'm shocked if you're just tuning in for this random episode, uh, we do welcome listener participation both in the YouTube chat, uh, through tweets, and then we open the show up every now and then, too. So uh, hopefully uh, you can join us for one of our live episodes because we have a lot of fun with the people who uh, tune in for the live ones. Uh, You can always podcast, though, after the episode airs, as I'm sure you're doing with this episode if you're hearing my voice right now. So uh, don't worry about that. It will always be available uh, the next day at some point. Uh, So that'll do it. I again want to thank Dominic, and I want to thank you for listening. And until next time, everyone, let's go Blues. Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Blues Report of the Week. Have a great day.